We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, this is Luka Doncic. Can he get it away in time on the step back? He does! He hits! He hits! And the Mavericks have won the game! Luka Doncic with a 30-footer to win it at the horn! And you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. You can find all of my work over at Dalton underscore Trigg on Twitter. You can follow the pod account at Step Back Mavs on Twitter. And you can find all of my you know written work and everything over at DallasBasketball.com. Today, I'm joined by my colleague at DallasBasketball.com. He does a ton of great work. Uh, he's one of the best out there that, you know, analyzes uh, everything going on in the NBA, but especially with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, it's Grant Afseth. You can find him at Grant Afseth on Twitter. Grant, what's up, man? How you doing today? I'm doing uh, great. How are you? It's always uh, interesting uh, after a crazy game, like a 33-8 to eight run, uh, to be able to talk about it. Man, that, that, was, that was something else. I had the uh, – I had my recap for Mavs Warriors like pretty much touched up. They were down by 19 in the fourth with like, I believe 10 minutes or a little under 10 minutes remaining. Uh, And I was, I was just starting to put the finishing touches on that recap because I just, you know, I I hate giving up on a team that early, but I mean, with the way they had played every time they got close, it seemed like the Warriors were just uh, coming back and making the lead even bigger and, I don't know. I just I kind of figured it was going to be a, a second straight loss, but then Spencer Dinwiddie kind of saved the day. He played every minute of the fourth quarter. Uh, he ignited that run and sustained it uh, pretty much for the Mavs going down the stretch. He hit two really big threes uh, in the final minutes, and I mean he ended up with twenty four points off the bench, uh, had five rebounds, four assists, so. Luca ended with 34 points and 11 rebounds. Uh, but, you know, it, uh, up until the fourth quarter, it really hadn't been a great game for Luca. He just, and, and by the way, the final score of that game, Mavs ended up winning 107 to 101. And they go back to 11 games over 500. And they'll, well, well, they go to, it's not Staples Center anymore. It's crypto.com. <laughs> <laughs> arena they'll, they'll go play uh they'll go play the lakers on tuesday but 
Yeah, that, that was a crazy run for the Mavs, and Spencer Dinwiddie pretty much saved the day, even though Luka ended up with the most points on the entire team. But, I mean, what was your take, your biggest takeaway from last night, you know, with what Dinwiddie was able to provide and what was just his fourth game with the Mavs? Yeah, I think, honestly, uh, I've been impressed with a lot of things with him. I think, uh, you know, just having another uh, big guard uh, that can actually, like, play deep on a drive and finish at the rim, like whether he's bringing it up in transition and just, you know, seeing an opportunity to explode to the rim, uh, you know, whether Luca's getting blitzed and the ball bounces around and uh, finds uh, Dinwiddie and he attacks off the catch or, you know, him just running the second unit. Uh, it's been really impressive to kind of see him be able to thrive without Luca and then also with Luca. And, you know, I think his off-the-dribble shooting in particular has been really interesting because he was, like, pretty terrible at it during his last full season uh, with the Nets. Uh, like, I, I remember posting the stat about, like, you know, he, he took a lot of volume and he was, like, by far the, the least efficient uh, in the NBA. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that sustains. But overall, it's just been really, uh, really intriguing, to say the least. And it's like, you know, when, when Nico Harrison came on here uh, about a week and a half ago, he kind of mentioned how when the Mavs took this gamble on this trade, part of it was looking at, you know, mainly how Spencer Dinwiddie was before his injury uh, and, and Davis Bertans, you know, before this season. And uh, the way he put it was, it's like, well, you know, when a team is underperforming like the Washington Wizards are, typically players tend to underperform as well. Uh, so that was part of the the gamble they took on Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. It's like, okay, well, we know what these guys have been able to do in the past. Maybe if we get them out of this losing situation in Washington, you know, there was the, the locker room conflict. Spencer Dinwiddie apparently, you know, tried to be a vocal leader for them and the rest of the Wizards, you know, weren't open to it. Whereas with the Mavs, you know, they could probably use another guy like that, and they're probably more open to it than, than they were in Washington. Uh, you know, you have Jason Kidd and how much of a, a player-friendly coach he has been this year. Uh, you have a lot of things going on different that the Mavs, you know, rolled the dice on here. And so far, and again, it's very early, it's paying off. And, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that as far as, like, how much just uh, just a culture setting – uh, could be affecting how Dinwiddie and Bertans are playing in Dallas. Yeah, I think honestly, like, you know, when Davis Bertans mentioned about, um, you know, there's so much competition at like the four spot and just in general with Washington's uh, options, like, you know, after the Russell Westbrook trade getting uh, Kyle Kuzma, um, it's it's pretty challenging uh, to get like kind of small stretches of just going on the court and then being like, all right, you sat for, the first, you know, whatever amount of minutes of the game with the whole first quarter, now make a couple threes. Uh, and we're going to run you like a Clay Thompson off of some pin downs uh, with a hand in your face. Like that, that's not easy to be able to do. Uh, and I think from Dinwiddie's perspective, uh, you know, something that we even talked about, uh, you know, in, in our conversations, and I believe, you know, last time I was on the Step Back podcast uh, with Dinwiddie, um, you know, he had a lot of pressure, uh, especially with Beal out, uh, to kind of run the Wizards offense. And, you know, when you're coming off an ACL injury and, you know, teams are loading up on you, uh, sending, you know, traps against you, 
uh, and you're not the one receiving the pass and being able to attack a defense that's out of rotation, that's a massive difference. And I think, you know, it just wears on you when you have to do it for heavy minutes too. Like when your performance starts where you're coming off the bench and you're, you know, in a plug and play unit, whether with or without Luca, um, that's a big, big difference. And I think he's, he's able to see it. And, you know, uh, uh, the spacing difference too, like with the, uh, you know, Dallas's bench unit having, uh, you know, Maxi, uh, uh, Kleba and uh, Davis Bertans, that's a big difference than having like a Montrez Harrell at the five uh, for him to be able to get into, uh, into the paint and uh, make a play. Yeah. And I mean, even, you know, going into this, almost immediately after the trade was made. I've said it from the beginning. Like, if if they give you literally anything, if, if Dinwiddie and Bertans give the Mavs literally anything, it would be better than, you know, having KP on a 30-plus million-dollar contract and, you know, not getting anything because he's still not playing. And as we've seen since the trade, I mean, it was it was reported that, oh, well, you know, KP, he was maybe going to return before the All-Star break, and he was optimistic about it and everything, and it didn't happen. Well, you know, then the next one was, well, he'll return after the All-Star break. Well, I mean, he still hasn't returned. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it's like uh, you're not really shocked about the reports that the Toronto Raptors backed out uh, on a potential deal with the Mavs because of uh, medical reasons. And, you know, he still hasn't played and, you know, it's starting to make starting to make me think. And I mean, maybe they're just being cautious because, you know, the season uh, isn't really going the way they wanted it to anyway. And Bill's out. But uh, it's making me wonder if there's a little bit something more to that. But, you know, given what Dinwiddie and Bertans have given to the Mavs so far in four games, I'm very optimistic about it. I think Dinwiddie, uh, you know, could be a playoff X factor for this team especially with Tim Hardaway Jr. going out with his injury. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit, too, because uh, uh, my guy Jeff Stotts, uh, he does a lot of uh, injury analysis stuff on Twitter. And when that happened, he said that the typical recovery time for Tim Hardaway Jr.'s foot injury was about 10 to 11 weeks. And THJ is in week five now, I believe. Uh, so just doing the math and taking into consideration the All-Star Week and all that stuff, uh, he could potentially be back before the playoffs start, like, you know, early April. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But, you know, uh, one thing I want to get your thoughts on, Grant, and I saw you put out some numbers on it uh, earlier today too, but this three-guard lineup that Kid is running now with uh, Luca, Jalen Brunson, and Spencer Dinwiddie, it's very interesting, and it seems to be, like, very, very effective so far. So what, what have you seen from that specific three-man lineup? Yeah, I think with uh, Luca being a bigger guard and uh, Dinwiddie also being a bigger guard, it kind of gives you the best of, uh, you know, both situations where you're playing three guards, but they're not necessarily, like, the typical size of guards, so you don't have to get hunted at multiple spots on defense. Uh, you know, since you can switch and uh, be able to absorb contact against bigger uh, wings and uh, players of that kind. I think, uh, you know, just having another player on the floor that can, you know, make something happen uh, off the bounce and uh, be a factor in the paint, um, I think goes a long way as opposed to having just two guys that are like, uh, you know, kind of just camping out in the corner 
uh, and then one rim roller. I think uh, that puts a lot of pressure on, uh, you know, the second guard in that lineup when there's blitzing that goes on. And with Jalen Brunson being a smaller guard, uh, you know, to his credit, he's done a lot of really effective things uh, this season, but that could be a challenging position, um, you know, to be the only player uh, that teams are really kind of worried about uh, to make something happen off the dribble when they are sending that type of pressure against Luka. So I think that shows like, uh, you know, some intriguing stuff uh, for like the context of playoff basketball for what teams could be throwing at the Mavericks. Because, uh, you know, one, one thing that kind of stuck out, um, you know, like Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie's able to not only get to the rim, but, you know, with his off-the-dribble shooting, as we just talked about, if that's going to continue to click, then he can really make some tough short-range plays. And, uh, you know, when the game slows down in the playoffs and, um, you know, teams are uh, not giving up easy opportunities, that could be really big to have another player that can make those types of tough plays, um, you know, when the lane's not necessarily the, the cleanest. Yeah, and it's it's not it's not a big sample size. I believe I believe what I saw was thirty three minutes of it so far. But I mean, the fact that that you know that group with uh, with Jalen Brunson, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Luca, you know, they have what I think it was a hundred nineteen offensive rating and a one hundred one defensive rating. So, I mean, it, it's not big sample size stuff. It's small sample theater, as as we call it sometimes, but. You know, it's very encouraging to see, and I do think it'll end up, you know, helping the Mavs in the postseason. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
another thing with this Spencer, because I've seen a lot of people, you know, bring up like, oh, well, does this mean with the way Spencer Dinwiddie is playing, does this mean that, you know, the Mavs might potentially let Jalen Brunson go in the offseason? I don't think that's the case. I mean, you know, given the way Jalen is playing right now and, you know, compared to how Dinwiddie is individually, it might be lowering his price tag a little bit. But I don't think this is a situation where the Mavs are going to, you know, be okay with letting Jalen Brunson walk. I, I still think, you know, that's probably one of the one of the top offseason priorities is is getting Jalen Brunson, uh, you know, secured on a long long term contract. And then if you're going to trade him later, it's easier to do so that way than it than it was this year with him making you know 1.8 million because you you were never going to get fair value back uh, for Jalen Brunson this year based on that salary number so I I don't think it's going to be a situation where they're okay with letting Jalen Brunson go but I do think it could potentially affect his his price range and that's a good thing for the Mavs going forward now another thing that Spencer Dinwiddie playing this well does is and I mentioned it earlier that Tim Hardaway Jr. might be able to make a comeback before the postseason begins uh, based on that estimated uh, recovery time frame that Jeff Stotts gave. But I, am I wrong for thinking that this could be like really, really big for Tim Hardaway Jr. coming off the bench with Spencer Dinwiddie? Because that was one of the things like when, when Jalen Brunson moved to the starting lineup full time. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr. struggled with his shot selection. And he was pretty much, you know, they they didn't have a guy off the bench, uh, you know, to help him get open looks. And they were having to stagger minutes. And, you know, it just it didn't seem like it was working. It was real, it was real clustered and clanky and whatever other unorganized terms you want to use for it. So having a guy like Dinwiddie now off of the bench, I mean, how big do you think that will be for Tim Hardaway Jr. when he eventually makes his return? Yeah, I think that'll be uh, very helpful. I think, uh, you know, they can have a pretty solid two-man game. Uh, you know, h- having him set, uh, you know, ball screens or ghost screens. Uh, and then, uh, you know, just having another uh, player that can come off an off-ball screen uh, and knock down a catch-and-shoot jumper uh, for the bench. Like, not not a lot of teams uh, have that. And, you know, with Davis Bertans uh, being a factor there, too. I'd be very interested to see kind of what, uh, you know, the coaching staff uh, – could you deploy uh, with multiple guys uh, who can, you know, be motion shooters along with a guard that can get to the rim and have all the spacing that he needs uh, to be able to operate. It's, it's just like kind of a unique set of skill sets, uh, you know, for a bench to be able to have. And that'll be, it'll be very interesting to kind of see how, how that gets used. Yeah. And, and Tim Hardaway Jr. He'll obviously have to, uh, it depending on when he comes back, he'll, he'll have to work himself back into, into game shape and everything. So just because he's recovered from the injury doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, he'll return exactly 10 or 11 weeks, you know, from it. Uh, he could still take, you know, another week or so to uh, to get back into game shape. So I, I've always said, you know, if the Mavs somehow find a way to win in the first round this year and move on to the second round, he probably has a good shot of, of coming back in the second round for sure. Uh, but, you know, I, we'll just have to see how it goes. But regardless, though, once they get him back, if they get him back this season, you know, adding a guy that averages about 15 points a game 
off the bench. And then, you know, you have this kind of production from Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. I mean, it, it makes the Mavs a lot more interesting in the postseason than, you know, what people would have thought at the time the trade was made. So, uh, no, just speaking of the playoffs now, Grant, we, uh, uh, Matt and I, we talked about it on our last pod about different playoff matchups for the Mavs, and it was before uh, the Mavs played the Jazz coming out of the All-Star break. And at the time, I mean, I'm kinda, I've am kind of gone back and forth on who would be the better playoff matchup for the Mavs, and I, I've gone between the Jazz and the Grizzlies. And the reason for the Grizzlies, and I mean, it's a very simple reason when I say I think the Grizzlies are the best matchup and that's mainly just because, you know, they're undefeated against the Grizzlies this year when Luka Doncic plays. And I know that John Morant, I think he missed one of those games. And uh, they've had, you know, it, it's been different different situations each time. But the fact of the matter is, every time Luka plays, uh, the, the Mavs beat the Grizzlies. So, based on that, uh, I really do think it would be a good series. I think Luka, even though he won't say it publicly, I think he – you know, kind of has a chip on his shoulder about uh, John Morant taking his all-star starter spot and not getting any media votes and all that good stuff. And I think that's one reason why he's been on such a tear and uh, making a legitimate run for uh, all-NBA first team in the second half of the season. But, you know, Utah, too, I mean, even though the Mavs lost uh, 114-109, to in that last game, they had a legitimate chance to win it. They were up by three late, and they just couldn't hold on. I mean, how much where, – where are you at on this, Grant? I mean, I want to know who you think the Mavs' best playoff uh, matchup is. Like, is Gobert – is he just so good uh, that the whole playing him off the court thing just isn't isn't as big of a deal as what people have made out it, made it out to be in the past or – or is that something that the Mavs really could take advantage of in a postseason setting? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just watching Utah uh, in last year's playoffs, um, I, I think it would be a challenging matchup, partly because Donovan Mitchell, uh, when he gets hot, uh, you know, as he did against, uh, you know, the Mavs in the recent matchup, it's so tough to contain him because you, you, can, you can just, you know, step back, pull up, and there's really not much you can do about that um, unless you send, like, two at the ball. Uh, to get it out of his hands, kind of how teams do against Luka. But honestly, with how, you know, they space the floor and they have such an efficient offense, that's kind of a tough thing to, to execute. And, you know, I think with, uh, you know, uh, Rudy Gobert on the glass uh, and, you know, just protecting the rim in general, I think that would be a, you know, no, no playoff matchup is going to be easy and that one wouldn't be either. Um, and that's kind of why I think, uh, you know, Memphis wouldn't be like a team necessarily you're like, yeah, I would love to play them. Uh, but, you know, if you have to pick uh, best of, uh, you know, a tough set of uh, circumstances, I do think Memphis probably would be uh, the pick due to, uh, you know, Steven Adams' uh, lack of mobility. Uh, you know, they could go with Jaron Jackson Jr. at the five. Um, uh, so I guess, uh, you know, that could be like a mid-series adjustment. Uh, that kind of changes the way Memphis looks. But, um, you know, I think that really comes down to a matter of who do you think uh, you would have more confidence slowing down uh, over the course of the seven-game series, uh, John Morant or Donovan Mitchell, uh, in a way. 
Yeah, I mean, it, either way, it's going to be tough. I mean, when you haven't, when a team hasn't won a playoff series in over a decade, uh, there's really no, <laughs> there's really no easy way to get over the hump. So, uh, it, at least it's not a fully healthy Los Angeles Clippers team this year. So, uh, you know, the knock on wood, assuming the mat, nothing drastic happens and they move down into the play-in tournament and have to play the Clippers, it, it seems like the Mavs are going to avoid having to play the Clippers for the for the third straight year in a row. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm i not going to – if I had my preference, it would be Memphis, even though that means the Mavs would have to, have to slide down in the standings. But, you know, I could see them potentially, you know, winning versus uh, Utah or Memphis because when it comes down to it, uh, in any of those potential series, the Mavs have the best player in the series. So – uh, if if they can just get you know uh, adequate help from the supporting cast, uh, I think they have a chance to end that drought and win a playoff series for the first time in a long time. So uh, one thing I want to touch on here is Maxi Kleba because he had a couple of good games before the All Star break, but coming out uh, now he went one of seven against Utah. Uh, miss some, and I mean, most of these misses are just wide open misses for Maxi. I mean, it's it's really it's painful to watch right now. Uh, but he was one of seven against Utah. He was one of five last night uh, against the Warriors. And it seems like you know when he came out of the game, <laughs> that that things you know trended in a positive direction for the Mavs. So. I mean, what, what's the thing with Maxi Kleba right now? Is this just a mental thing or is it just, you know, a, a normal cold streak? Or, you know, because typically we don't get this kind of cold streak from Maxi until we get to the postseason. So maybe he's just getting it out of his system early and he'll be more of a help come postseason time. But what's your thoughts on Maxi's struggle so far? Yeah, I definitely think, uh, you know, it's limiting when, uh, you know, against some of those lesser teams, you can kind of count on those pick and pops. Uh, you know, like take the Pelicans game, for example. Uh, you know, they, you know, having him at the five, uh, you know, created some hesitancy from, you know, Val Chunis and Jackson Hayes uh, to be able to, you know, commit on a, you know, deep on a drive against, uh, you know, Luca, And that's great to have. Um, but, you know, like last last year's playoffs, um, you know, the hesitancy, you know, like in the corner and in general just to shoot the ball, uh, you know, you can't have that in an offense, uh, you know, like a high pick and roll spread offense um, and, you know, be able to stay on the floor. And I think, uh, you know, just in general, I think, uh, you know, some players will go through cold streaks, as you know, as you mentioned, Um but yeah, I think if you keep having those moments in big games, uh, it becomes harder and harder to trust. And I think it might be worth experimenting more with Davis Bertans, uh, seeing how he can hold up in the you know pivotal moments of games defensively, and see if he can get away with it because his uh, quick trigger, uh, you know, with the hand in his face, um, you know, and ability to knock it down, like that deep uh, kick out that Luca had against the Jazz, kind of shows some intriguing stuff late in the clock. Uh, there where, you know, Luca draws Rudy Gobert uh, on a drive and just darts it all the way to the top of the key and uh, Bertans, uh, you know, hits it. That type of stuff is not what you get from uh, Maxi Kleba. So I think, uh, you know, that's kind of just will be interesting to follow uh, towards the, uh, you know, like uh, the end of the, the season as the stretch run plays out. 
Yeah, Maxie, he is very, like you mentioned, he's very hesitant at times. It's all, it's very frustrating when you're watching. It's like, you know, if you, if you have a wide open shot, you need to let it fly, uh, you know, because you, you can't get any better looks than what he is. And, you know, that kind of just shows where he's at with his confidence right now too. Uh, but I agree with you. I mean, I think, you know, uh, inserting Bertons in there more, you know, where Kleba is, I think that's something. I mean, we saw it last night too. Bertons, he paid, he played 21 minutes where Maxi only played 18. So I think we're already starting to see uh, Jason Kidd and the Mavs coaching staff start to kind of trend that direction uh, if Maxi is going to continue to to play this way because – uh, in that Warriors game, in that comeback, I mean, Bertans, I mean, he's not he's not known as a good defender by any means, but he was holding his own. Uh, I mean, I, I I don't think he was a negative on the defensive end last night. So, I mean, he's uh, – I, I think he's – if he can do like he did against the Warriors last night, especially in the second half, uh, you know, I, I think the Mavs will be fine going forward. And, I mean, like you said – it's nothing against Maxi, but I mean, if you get to the postseason and he starts struggling again, you might just have to sit him because uh, if he struggles for his third consecutive postseason, maybe he's just not meant uh, for the big bright lights of the NBA playoffs. And you know, that's just how it is for some players, unfortunately. But uh, I think overall, this was you know do, making this trade, getting off of Porzingis, Porzingis's contract. This was all part of, like Nico Harrison said, adding depth, you know, trading in Kristaps Porzingis's $130 million contract for two lesser contracts, turning KP into two players, uh, two players that are readily available right now, and KP isn't. So, so far it has worked out well uh, for the Mavs, and hopefully it continues to work out well as we get closer uh, to the postseason. So there's 20 games left. Uh, the Mavs, they take on a, a heavily struggling Los Angeles Lakers team uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, Grant, real quick before we get out of here, what are you looking forward to on Tuesday night when the Mavs take uh, take on the Lakers? Because, I mean, with the way the Lakers are playing and Anthony Davis being out and we'll see, uh, I think there's a couple other injury injury. Uh, injuries on their roster that they won't be playing with tomorrow night. But, I mean, what are you looking forward to? Because the Lakers, they're heavily struggling, but the Mavs, you know, they're celebrating Luka Doncic's birthday <laughs> today is Jordan year. They're in Los Angeles. I mean, so, I mean, they could potentially have a little bit of a, of a letdown depending on how hard they go with that. I mean, that's always something you got to look for, but, I mean, the Lakers, they might be so bad that it might not even matter. So what are you looking forward to with Mavs versus Lakers? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just seeing, uh, you know, more sample size of, uh, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans, uh, that would be intriguing for uh, pretty much any matchup. But, you know, specifically with the Lakers, um, you know, just not having a let up against a team that's struggling, uh, that will be interesting uh, to kind of see because, you know, those back-to-back losses – uh, I believe late January, um, uh, you know, against like uh, OKC in Orlando, if I remember correctly, um, you know, like things were, were going very well uh, leading into those. And then to have those types of letdowns, I think, uh, you know, you want to avoid that as much as possible. Um, and, you know, just seeing, uh, 
you know, Jalen Brunson as well, like uh, kind of go through uh, some of the growing pains of playing in a three-guard lineup, I think uh, will be interesting to see as well. And, uh, yeah, I think, honestly, it's just kind of a weird situation because the Lakers had such high expectations and then you, know, you kind of view it as such like a intriguing uh, high-level matchup but it's almost hard to get excited about much about the Lakers because LeBron seems to be playing through a knee uh, situation still. Uh, AD is not playing at all uh, still. And, you know, Russell Westbrook, you know, a lot has been made about like, uh, oh, you know, like he's cranked it up in the second half of his seasons in the last couple of years, but that doesn't really appear to be the case anymore, you know, at least this season. Uh, so really, I think a lot of internal stuff is kind of, as crazy as it sounds is more so the, uh, the exciting, uh, element of it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that'll definitely be something. And we've written about it. Um, uh, I think both of us have written about it at DallasBasketball.com now, but you know, that, that's something that we're definitely going to be looking forward to this off season is what happens with LeBron James, because, you know, it's kind of a situation where the Lakers front office, they really don't have much flexibility to work with. They're kind of stuck with what they've got. Even if they did find a taker for Russell Westbrook or, you know, Anthony Davis, who's on contract through like 2025, I believe, making $40 million a year, uh, you know, he can't stay healthy. I mean, you, you kind of wonder what these guys' actual trade value is. And even if they do trade them, it's not going to be for something that puts the Lakers over the top. And then you have LeBron, who's 37 years old. He can't carry a team by himself anymore. Uh, so it, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, if, if LeBron is going to get over the top and add another championship or two to his uh, resume before he retires, you know, in chasing Michael Jordan, he might not be able to do it in Los Angeles. And we'll see if he, uh, you know, tries to play a power card and, uh, get traded in the offseason and if not he'll be a free agent you know after next year so we'll see how that goes it'll be very interesting to see but uh, before we take off here Grant I just wanted to make note of a few things again it's Luka Doncic's birthday uh, he's 23 years old it's his Jordan year so to speak I uh, put a piece on DallasBasketball.com earlier uh, very early this morning I stayed up way too late doing that but uh, go check that out. It's basically comparing uh, Luca's stats through his first four seasons so far uh, compared to where Jordan was four seasons in. And it's not – I mean, I did it that way just mainly because <laughs> when Jordan turned 23, he was in his uh, second season <laughs> in the league. So it's not like something you can you can completely compare fairly. Uh, but still, it's pretty intriguing to look at, you know, what Luca has accomplished four seasons in versus what Jordan did, did uh, in his first four seasons. And you can kind of see why Jordan has such uh, respect and uh, why he's looking forward to watching Luca grow throughout the rest of his career. And then another thing is I just wanted to give one more shout-out to the Mavs bench because against the Warriors, uh, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, he's obviously the guy that stood out with 24 points. Uh, he was a plus 17 on the night. But Davis Bertans, he only had seven points and three rebounds. He shot two of six from the field, but he was a plus 15. And Josh Green, who only played 13 minutes, but he was three of four from the field. Uh, he had a big uh, reverse layup in the fourth quarter, and he was uh, he was a plus 12 on the night as well. So uh, Mavs got some good bench production. Uh, and 
I'm sure that'll continue to build confidence for those guys going forward. But Grant, I appreciate you joining me, man. Is there anything else you want to chime in on before we take off here? Yeah, basically just that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have uh, an analysis uh, on DallasBasketball.com of, uh, you know, kind of like what uh, the Mavericks offense struggle with early in the uh, Warriors game. And then, you know, like how going small open things up um, for them uh, to pull off that run. And a little, you know, also highlighting Dinwiddie's uh, intriguing uh, contributions as well. We'll definitely be looking forward to that. Uh, always good stuff. Always go read uh, Grant Afseth on DallasBasketball.com. It's great stuff. Uh, he's also been doing these NBA notebooks where, it, you know, we, we mostly cover Dallas Mavericks stuff, but we like to, you know, keep our readers informed on everything going on around the, the league as a whole. Uh, so be sure to check out his NBA notebooks as well. And, again, you can find him at uh, Grant Afseth on Twitter. Guys, we appreciate it. Uh, be sure to go like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, either one. Uh, if you do so, you're automatically entered for any potential ticket giveaways that we'll do in the future. Uh, and that's all you have to do is go leave us a review in one of those spots. Uh, and again, you can find all of my stuff at Dalton underscore Trig on Twitter. And you can find our podcast account on Twitter as well, at Step Back Maps. Guys, we appreciate it. Y'all have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.